Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to The Brian Diaries, where my pals and I get together and talk about subjects dealing with our favorite tabletop role-playing setting, The World of Darkness. While we may not be subject matter experts on the game lines, we have a passion that has led us to create and share actual plays with you all. Eventually we thought, well shit, we might as well take a stab at a podcast, and here you go. Each episode, we will have a guest content creator to join us to talk about whatever subject is on the table. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach out to us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. So here we go. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Brian Diaries, a podcast where we drink copious amounts of cold brew and hail Satan while listening to Black Sabbath. Thank you for joining us again. What is up, Andrew? Uh, no coffee for me today. No coffee? What is going on, man? Oh, just, you know, I decided it was one of those days where when I woke up, I grabbed this uh, big bottle of uh, whiskey that I have, and uh, I poured some into a cup, and then I got some Pepsi here, kind of just, uh, just, just starting off strong, yeah. I guess it's five o'clock somewhere in the world, right? Isn't that what it said? So did you put away your black robes? Is that why you're kind of tripping over yourself the whole time when we're doing our like black mass before the Brian Diaries? Is that why you're kind of just stumbling around? <laughs> you can be honest. I mean, I mean, you know, we learn. Um, I think that of all of us, I'm probably the only one who actually has a large black robe. And on that note, all right, let's introduce our guest for today. What <laughs> What is up? Today's guest has history with us for what about two and a half years seeing the fact that he has been part of twin cities by night for two and a half years this is a gentleman if you have had this patience of a saint to go back and listen to the first session of twin cities by night the complete unedited one where i fucked up his name for like five minutes straight out of nerves and the fact that i fuck up names you would fucking know who this gentleman is joaquin what is up brother how goes it Tell Hello. us a little bit about your, hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. And uh, by the way, take off the hood of your black robe, please. So people, you know, wait, it's a podcast. They can't see your face. Never mind. Go ahead. So tell us about yourself. Oh, dang it. Don't, I told you. Don't, don't, don't mention that in public. <laughs> it's a secret cabal. <laughs> secret, secret. Okay. Yes. I have been part of the Twin Cities by Night group since the very beginning. I was, uh, I've been Kai Tao in Twin Cities by Night, Jasper in, uh, Juarez on fire, and then I ran my own st. I ran my own uh, Victorian Age vampire game, uh, diluted. Yeah, man, you've been there since day one, man. You're day one, homie. I remember like uh, set- setting out invitations for people to, to to play in a game that I wanted to run online, and you're one of the first people to do it, man. And you you've been here, and you're continuing to go strong, huh? Yep, I remember all those years ago seeing seeing that invitation in my dorm room, just being like. Well, let's see. You try this. I got nothing else to do with it. This. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, fuck, dude. Like, he's and then all he's obviously regretting it. Well, <laughs> dude, dude, dude. He is now a member of a secret black mask cabal where he gets government influence and power, and he's able to cover up crimes. So I think there's a, like a a pro to it, right? You would say, Joaquin, there's a little pro here. It, it about evens out. I mean, you do have to talk to me in Discord a lot and deal with all my rants on there. So I, I, I totally get where it's like, eh, world power and domination and uh, Chris 
typing too much with this horrible typing. I get that. So why don't you tell us a little bit, man, about uh, about what what the f- your future? I mean, there's a lot going on, and future games you're gonna play. But talking about you as Marza ST, what's your future contributions for Twin Cities by Night uh, looking like here in the future? All right, so we don't. We're still figuring out just when exactly this would be going on, and I I must admit that right now it's still more of a frame than an actual uh, uh, storyline, but I am planning the next uh, arc of the f- story started in Victorian Age Vampire Diluted. The next one is tentatively called, titled Rot, and it will bas- resume the story where we last out of six months after the events of Diluted, in the middle of the summer during a cholera outbreak in uh, England, in London, England. You know, it is insane. And, and, and it was funny because uh, our last Brian Diaries, we interviewed Clara, an, a freelance writer for Onyx Path Publishing. And I mentioned, I was talking about your game. And I said, you know, to be honest, before playing Diluted, I'm not like a big Victorian age steampunk, whatever, just doesn't pull me in. And dude, she almost slit my throat through <laughs> like the interwebs. The Victorian era shit, for whatever reason, has such a huge fan base. And I don't know, like, if, if Andrew could explain this. it. I don't, you don't remember? <laughs> she got like, I said, I said something to the extent of, and you know, I wasn't really a big fan of, you know, a Victorian stuff before I played Diluted, and she was just like, what'd she say? It was just so bone-chilling. I'm like, oh, now I know why you write for the World of Darkness, you know what I mean? It just made me stop in my tracks. Now, if she's listening, I'm sure I probably remember. remember. Of course, you remember this, but I, I don't, because it wasn't directed <laughs> at me. If she popped out your memory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, and I'm really excited for it. You know, I had a blast playing, and Andrew played in that, and Mitch, the man of many voices, and Slavic played in it, and it's just like uh, I'm pretty stoked, man. Like, so that, that it's cool to have you on here because one of the reasons why uh, I really enjoyed playing in Diluted was I felt like I was in the area of of 19th century London, and I am like absolutely not familiar with it at all. Not saying I mean I have a va- passing familiarity with it, but so we're inviting invited. Quinn here to come and, and talk about running games and historical settings. So that's what we're going to talk about after our first break. So stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to go ahead and talk about running settings and uh, running World of Darkness games and historical settings. So stay tuned. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. All right, everybody, welcome back. And um, let's just jump right into the topic for today. We're going to be talking about running games set in a historical time period. Um, 
And one of our very first questions that we have is just kind of what are the pros and cons to running a chronicle that is focused in a historical setting? Okay, so well, first of all, one of the big pros is that is that with when you decide to do like anything historical is that it's much I feel is that it's a lot easier to come up with a like a, a setting, a story, and characters for it. If you have an ever have an idea of what you want of like what time period you want your story to be set in, say for example, you want to have a story set in Victorian England, you already have a setting there, Victorian England, baked into it. And then basically you can have a story. Basically look throughout the history of, you know, the city of England or look throughout. You could look through like historical documents or whatever just to see like, oh, so this happened, this happened, this happened. So I can make a story based around this or this or that. And then for characters, you can just, if you want to, go into like deeper research. You can really be like, yeah, these people were there. These people were there. I can have this person here, that person there. It's all, and basically it's, you have sort of like, it's just so easy to have an expectation that sort of leads into the cons of just like people have this idea of what it should look like, and if you ha- run too much into that idea, it's I suppose it's somewhat easy to fall into the trap of just making cliches out of things. So, would you say that um, running a historical game is it provides you with a certain amount of structure? Yes, but that can also set up false expectations for players. Exactly. Is that what you're yes. saying? Yes, that perfectly. Okay. Yes, like for example, you. Like example, if you decide to do it in England again, you, you, there is this idea that you have to do it a certain way. Say, it, like you know, you're doing it on this uh, like street level, you'd be like all of a twist. Then you, there's a certain cliches that you know, there are like these gangs, you know, dirty children running around that steal stuff or be charming to you. There's like certain ideas that are baked into it, and so depending upon what kind of game you want, that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing to it. Yeah, one thing that I noticed when you were running the Victorian game for us was the fact that you really, I mean, you had some NPCs that were from like the London by Night Victorian Age Vampire setting, but a lot of it, a lot of that story that you did, I felt, and I'm sure Andrew can attest, or I don't know if he agrees with me, but I felt was you relied more on historical London from that era than you did the mythos and the canon that was kind of like already kind of created. Now, mind you, you used some NPCs. Yes, I used more. I, I did use a couple of NPCs, and I did use like more names than I did the actual characters that were in the books. Partly because I couldn't really have, I didn't really have access to a uh, limited by night thing, so I just used whatever resources I could from like other sort of like you know like wikis and stuff to get names for some of the NPCs that were there. I, I really felt. That that like what you said about the pros, I really felt that really stuck out, and I think that was part of the strength of what your story was. Now, I it's funny because like to me, the thought of running a historical game is um, intimidating, you know, somewhat. You know what I mean? Like like as a storyteller myself, I guess I've ran like I ran a game set in the eighties, but it was in an area that I knew and I grew up and I lived in in the eighties, you know. And then with Juarez, while that was set in the forties, it was a very like blank canvas you know what i mean it wasn't like uh london it wasn't with like different political themes going on you know what i mean different types of immigrants different types the emphasis was not on the time period itself it was more on the characters exactly and and you know like there's not a lot of you know shit going on in the 40s in the middle of the desert you know so it's like i felt that you when you ran victorian and and i think this is one of the strengths of running a historical setting was that it felt 
I guess like, like more of alive is the term I'm looking for. Like when you when you you discover the Thames or when you're like talking about one certain sections of like, you know what I mean? Of London are here and here and here and here. That's why I started enjoying it, to be honest with you, because I'm not going to lie. At first, while I was excited to play in a game, I was kind of indifferent to the setting. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know shit about it. I think I even made a comment like, oh, uh, Whitechapel, that's where Jack the Ripper was. You're like, dude, that's not for like 30 years. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh. And I, but I felt like you had such a knowledge to fall back on in a, in a, in a toolbox that I felt like I was not only playing, but I was learning. You know what I mean? About the, the section. And the, that's, the, the, an, that's another potential benefit of is that if you, is that especially for historical games, it's just a time period. It's not an actual location, which so which does allow people, if they want to, to go into the more obscure parts of history. Like, for example, like during uh, World War One, people have people might have heard, you know, the Battle of Ardennes or some of the bigger stuff, but they might not know about the different sections of world world going. Like there's a world war, things going on in, like countries all over the place. And so if you do a little bit of history, if you do a little bit of research into like historical stuff, you can find that there are so many things going on that just that it's so much it, that so many things and that people are not focused on all of it because there's just so much to look at. And so you really get to have an, a, like a unique game experience if you focus on some of the more different stuff that haven't, you haven't seen before. That 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 is again a very powerful insight because I think that's why um, these dark era books that Chronicles of Darkness are doing are are really I personally find them appealing because they take small aspects of history that aren't usually I don't want to say aren't usually talked about but aren't really well known and they expand on them you know and they bring them to light and and yeah that's really cool so you could take something really like. Um, hidden i guess in history i guess is the term and just kind of expand on it and not only tell a story in there but educate it and have an original world of darkness setting story that takes place in there that probably hasn't been told is that why you chose to do uh diluted like 30 years 40 years before like really the victorian setting is known in in, in the yes, world of darkness i i noticed uh, i have seen like bits of the victorian age like the victorian age handbook for what for by white wolf was set more than like the 1890s which is Usually, when people think of the Victorian age London, that's when they when they think of that's the time of like, like when Sherlock Holmes or something like that would be set in would be like in, when people have electricity, when cars are just starting to be like thought of, when, you know when coal is everywhere, when you know World War One is going to be happening in a few decades, and so I said I decided to set it further back, partly because it's the one to deal with some of the uh, I wanted to deal with more of a uh, like much more rougher feeling because back as it was 19, 1848 which by this time electricity is a known thing but no one no one really has light bulbs in their houses maybe a few ex experimenters are here and there but like as a general thing most things just will still list by gas lamps or just fire and you know the, by this point, the phones are not a thing. Te the telegram is just a brand new thing that people are still trying to you know, expand all across the world to you, just use for com fast communication. And honestly, by this point, it's be just easier to have a messenger go on and do stuff. So in a way, like taking these aspects of history that aren't haven't really been expanded on, like you said, White Wolf's Victorian setting was kind of like 30, 40 years further than the story you told was do you feel also that it brings like a sense of discovery and wonder to the game that's part of it you know like where it's like people aren't 
and I know I'm kind of like already saying what I what I've asked before, but I, I'm looking at almost like not only are you introducing a plot, not only are you introducing a story, but you're also like uh, introducing a setting that is unknown, you know, by by that setting. Like you said, electricity is known, but it's not used. You know what I mean? Like like a lot of this stuff is just starting to to creep out. Uh, and to me, that's that that's how I feel when I played in that game was the fact that not only was I learning the story, not only was I learning the fellow player characters, but I was also learning this whole setting that in itself I feel was a critical critical part of the story in a way. I would agree with that. Yeah, that definitely is, can be a very big part of it, especially if you're like the players are not familiar with that particular time period. Yeah, yeah, and I feel that I feel that was also an awesome strength of it. Definitely. I want to kind of touch back on something that you had previously mentioned, and that is um, some of the like uh, preparations you've done and some of the tools you had at your disposal. You know, you were talking about how you didn't have, you know, like the official setting book or anything to to just readily flip through for Victorian London by night. And I want to ask, like, how how do you specifically? How did you go about preparing? for this type of undertaking did you did you go to libraries did you did, did you just use the wiki you know is that the only source you use did um and how would you recommend other people go about that i uh fortunately just point you i did not go to any libraries to go through old books or anything like that unfortunately no montage of discovery and like no montage you're not going to get a joaquin montage man come on i'm afraid not if you I, did a montage it would have been me at a computer I would uh, I would recommend it then because it's a thing that I have personally done in that uh, you know there's a local library just up the street go by there look in the history section find something appropriate to the time period just flip through it yes there's definitely. a lot of a uh, lot of books available yes definitely I would recommend if you ha if you want to, if you feel the need to go into that thing you definitely there are people have been doing researching into the past years before the internet was a thing and so books of course will be your friend and. Uh, also on top of that, although I, what I did, my main tool was the internet. And what I did was personally, since I knew I just wanted to, I first of all, what I want, looked at was what did happen in the year 1848. I'd, I basically had been like looking through the years, been like, okay, what here is going to take place exactly? And I decided 1848. Okay, this, I don't know what went on. This, let's see what happens. So I did some research into just what happened during the year. And so I found some, and that's, so the stuff I found was like, I can work this into this. Some of it I couldn't really, oh yeah, that's, that's interesting, but it's not really relevant for right now. But stuff I did find, for example, when I first started planning this, when I announced this, I did, had no idea that during 1848 was during the time when the Great Famine was going on in Ireland. But that eventually became a much bigger part of the diluted story. For those of you who don't know, the Great Famine was basically what happened is that in Ireland, if you wanted to make money, you were a farmer. And if you want to make money as a farmer, you grew potatoes. But then during like the years, like I believe 1845 to 1850 or something, it depends on what uh, the different factors or whatever. I th believe that's a time period, though, is that the basically a blight hit the potato crops in Ireland. And so like the vast majority of all the crops failed and died. And as a result, basically hundreds of thousands or even millions of farmers in it all across the country they just had they had no money and so the, the economy collapsed you know people stopped people couldn't buy enough food and so basically people either like you know, people dust starved people moved out of the country it, it was just a huge very huge impact on the country of Ireland as a 
overall and fight. on other countries as well you know exactly, it had a yes. huge impact on on the united states at the time yes because as a result that's why like i believe there are actually more people of irish descent than people actually living in ireland right now that's ins that's insane dude and one thing i noticed too when you were running the game you seem to you know you kind of explained to us how you got the idea of the story you looked at 1848 you know the irish fan which did play a huge factor which is awesome by the way how you worked that in because i felt like i learned like i was learning during the game but one thing that i really respected when you ran diluted is that you knew about like um neighborhoods you knew about what ethnic and cultural uh classes lived in these neighborhoods you even knew about like surrounding towns of london you know you knew a lot about the locale now is that because you have always enjoyed London? Was that like you did you have to just kind of dig in and do some research on there before the story happened? Or it was a bit of a combination. I had a I have like had a bit of a like interest in London because I had visited one point and but I past spent a week there when I was in high school, and so I just I loved the visit there. I, I did a little bit of research at, during that during that time there, and so I had some information already. But then when I was preparing for the game, I did even more research, and that's that's where a lot of the that's where I was able to. I looked into old maps, especially. That's a, a thing I wanted to look, really look, try to get accurate, which I couldn't find the, like, eight, specifically from 1848, but I did find something from, like, 1850s. And just, I find it helps a lot, because especially, the thing you have to consider is that, especially for a town like London, it has changed a lot over the over the decades, and so if you can find something old from that from roughly the same time period, say like a map or something, it will it can help you a lot in your in presenting a uh, living world if you in your game because like the, like you know things can change over the decades, and so just have no basically knowing where things are and what things what the people thought of them at the time can really help immerse your players and just because. Because like when you when you have an NPC, they do not just play like this is the pop, plot relevant stuff. I have nothing else to say. It it helps to immerse the players. If you say like if they if the NPCs will be like, oh yeah, remember that thing back there that happened to you a couple of years ago, or, you know, happened over there, and that street that's known for this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This it helps to bring the world to life. Yeah, I, I I feel you there because uh, it helps also modern day games. You know what I mean? Kind of like doing some research and stuff like that. And I just find it with historical games like it's a. I assume it's a lot harder. You know what I mean? Because, uh, in in historical games, I feel it would be very easy to go down the wrong information hole. You know what I mean? Where it's like, where are the poor people at? Oh, the west side of London. And people who are actually watching it, who who are into that era, would probably you know what I mean? Just kind of check out. Yeah, you don't want to get a get offensive and like start using stereotypes or or things that are just flat out wrong about a location yeah and i felt too like i there you know you talk about your npcs i really felt like your npcs were from that from that era especially uh holden uh not to ruin about the toy holden and, and i really felt the whole scene where he was introduced was really impactful and powerful especially re-listening to it when i edited the podcast did the re-edit like the information that you shared during then especially about the law and duels dueling laws and stuff like that like now was that information that you looked up for that scene like okay i want to look up about dueling and the laws and did you like I think it was write more that like down? I, I heard that little step of information that was like that, that inspires me and i'll do the scene because because of that information inspired me to do the scene so how long did you how long did you do research before you decided you wanted to run <sighs> how long should a, a, a potential storyteller for a historical setting i mean of course 
the shoe's not going to fit for everyone. But like, how yeah, how long that's, did you? That's a that's a that's an inter- that's a rough question to ask. Uh, well, I feel like it. Do I feel like it's not really so much as how much time you have to invest. It's what how much you can get out of the research. And so for me, I what I felt was that once I had enough research, so I could say, okay, so once enough research to solidly say, because okay, this is the area here, this is where it's going to happen here, and this is going to happen here. Like once you have enough like solid foundation, because ultimately it's as much as much you do as much research as you can, but ultimately it's on you, the storyteller, to actually put it all together and make a story out of it. Yeah, I feel you definitely. You know what's funny is there are some historical games that I, I have planned originally for a uh, little peek behind the curtain for those of you who don't know. Originally, my plan was once Twin Cities by Night was uh, completed and wrapped up, I was going to run this Elder game where you're going to start in Babylonian times and just kind of work your way through the future. Okay, kind of like put that in the in the back burner, you know, and I decided that I want to run a Mage Chronicle, Mage 20th Anniversary Edition Chronicle after Twin Cities by Night is done, which will be like in five fucking years you know what i mean but like my point what i and this leads to my question what i'm saying so when uh i kind of know that i'm gonna run this mage game during the 60s and the 70s you know and so i've been buying like a lot of books on the 60s and the 70s and recently i reorganized my library and i'm like fuck man i spent a lot of money on goddamn books dude and i have only read one of these like books on like this this time period i need to start reading these and that leads to my question because i feel like with me thinking about historical games and settings that i'm not personally familiar with that are really deep in history like the 60s and 70s in the united states a lot of shit happened you know what i mean it was a really kind of like uh boiling uh point in our country um I felt like I was getting worried, like I wouldn't know enough. You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting there worried. I got to buy more books. I got more books. I got to make sure in like these five years before I run the game, I got to read it, read it, read it, and find out, find out, find out. And I was just like worrying myself. So that leads to kind of like what my, my question here is, are what are some things that potential storytellers should not worry about when it comes to running historical games? Because it can kind of seem, it's kind of intimidating for some, including me to think about oh, yes. that. And so the first thing I would say definitely, the biggest thing is do not worry so much about is do not worry about getting every little minute detail historically accurate especially say if you're just running of course depending upon if if you want to run like a very you know minutely historically accurate game good on you do that make sure just you know have fun with that that's all on you but i feel like like for most players it's always like a spectrum of people some people be like yeah you know you're george washington fighting velociraptors in you know england or whatever other people will be like no you're you know this is the this is the time date and this is what happens you know they have like a strict you know schedule to follow out and so what i find is that for most people i say this you don't have to worry about every little detail it's okay to you know just be like okay we're not gonna be 100 percent totally accurate so you know, just do make sure you get a lot of the broad jokes, maybe a few of the smaller jokes, but don't like worry about all the pieces. So focus on the story first. Yes. Good. Good advice. I think that the the setting itself is just a backdrop. And while it can be a character in its own right, you're absolutely right. You do need to you do need to be able to just kind of occasionally say, fuck it, that doesn't happen in my version of history. Uh, yes. And another thing I would say not to worry about is that you don't have to get it, you know, this exact, you know, time. If say, like, you know, you've been doing a lot of historical games, you don't have to, you know, worry about, okay, so what major historical thing am I going to do next? 
you can always I find is you can always try to do something a bit interesting is that you could try to have a game set a few years before and a few years after something happened. Say, for example, uh, let's say a couple years after World War Two, just there is no specific you know event tied to say you know, uh, let's say France, 1947. There is no specific at least I I'm not a big I don't I'm not familiar about post-war France. So if any historians there, please I apologize, but there are no major specific events tied to that time period that I'm aware of, and so as a result you you don't have to worry Massive about labor strikes. Just googled it. Okay, thank you, Google. And Damn so, you, Google. <laughs> and so instead, you can focus on more of the atmosphere of the that the time period brings with you, rather than any specific event. So, for example, say like you know a, a era of mistrust of rebuilding, of you know just you know having social wreckage and build something out of it. So, for a vampire game, say you would say like you know all the surviving vampires have been like, okay, so we just got the city you know bombed the hell out of us. And now we have to decide, okay, so how are we going to restructure this place again to be back to what it was before? And well, making sure that, you know, all these, you know, paranoid people don't pick up the fact that we're vampires. I, I like that because in, in almost in a way, the the historical, the big historical event that happened in the past a couple of years ago is a, is a character in its own right. You know what I mean? Kind of like in wars, how World War II was off in the distance, you know, but it was never really addressed in the game, like, but affected the small town of Cedar Creek. I like that. Like, it's just kind of like there, you know what I mean? But it's not the center of like the story of what's going on. I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to run a game about the battle of the bulge. You you can just run a game about the people in the you know, people, the civilians living in the area while that was going on. Oh, that's so dope. That's so dope. I would totally play in a game like that. One thing I liked that you did with Victorian also, and I, I feel that you didn't worry about too much, and in the end it comforted me, was the fact that you had this weird ability when you played your NPCs to where they came across very British, but you didn't use like British accents. You know what I mean? Yes. It was like the, the cadence of your voice and the way that you spoke and your your mannerisms. You know, we're not voice actors in Twin City, but oh, Mitch... And, and maybe Cora, maybe fuck everyone else but me is a fucking voice actor, but I'm not. But you know what I'm saying? Like you, you got you made it feel very accurate. And I feel that's like one thing that that people shouldn't stress about is making sure that you sound like a you know 19th century British street yes. urchin. You know, you, you don't, you, like I said, and that's, that's the thing is where research can help you is that you don't have to do get the accent down right. If you can't do accents, you know, feel free to not. If you want to, go ahead, but. Where where doing some research can help you is that just you know watch a movie or just do like so do something that's that was made in England at the time or something you know, or something you know that will give you an idea of what to sound like. You might not get the act, might not be able to sound make it sound right, but you can get some of the vocabulary right. So for example, you would say like you know in uh, Eng in England like the Cockney accent is tr traditionally associated with. The poor class, poor people, so more the lower class. Now, if, as an American, odds are you might not have known that, but if you just like do a little bit of research, like watch a few things, just just figure out what the general opinion of like the towards the cop towards that thing, you can then you can sort of like okay, so I can do this instead of I can't do the voice, I can just do to have people react to it. You know, on the subject of of uh, characterizations. 
and kind of going uh, tying into something you mentioned before about using uh, like official characters. Um, what was some of the things that you found to be like um, challenging when it came to portraying the characters in a historical setting and uh, portraying them in a way that uh, you felt was respectful while also, you know, playing into the strengths that they have in the story? Okay, so I feel that definitely one of the bigger issues with that is with doing a historical character like that is that you have to sort of how do I put this because it's definitely one thing to just try to be it's one thing to try to be, to be doing an like over the top stylized thing of what you think someone from that time would talk like but I find it's for me like one of the big things I found is just treat them just like a person just have them talk like a person would. It might be a different time period, but ultimately people are going to be the same no matter what time period you're in. They might have different concerns, different beliefs, different values, but ultimately it's going to be a person. And so when you do come have like, say like, you know, have a person believe that, for example, we go back to Holden. He believes that there is a much more strict, uh, strict uh, hierarchy to how society works rather than just have the guy go up saying, you're lower than me. Believe uh, that's how it that's how it is because I say it is. You could just have it be much more. Just be like, okay, yes, oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't believe someone of your class would know that. Just have it. <laughs> You're giving me flashbacks, fucker. <laughs> just just have try to have it be a bit more like in. I suppose just have it be a bit more, uh, not so much exposition expositionary. But as just be like part of the conversation, just be have part of their part of their uh, character, I suppose. I'm trying to say, you're you're very awesome at that too in the game. There's a scene, distinct scene, distinct scene. I remember in my fucking head where I was like, you knocked it out of the park with that. It was when the quartery was on a train uh, heading north, and there. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Slavic played um, Middle Eastern or Egyptian said, excuse me, and he was on the train with us, and there was this couple a wife and her husband were heading to a hunting trip and just the way that you handled the wife and the husband, but especially the wife. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying, um, I, I'm not saying like, I'm trying to think of a way to articulate this, the, just the casual racism that she had towards him for being Egyptian, like the, Oh, you're from Egypt. Like, like her, you know, the whole Egyptian uh, fever that was going on at that time. But it was just like, very like, I was like, damn dude. Like it wasn't like over the top, but it was very like grounded and nuanced the way that you handled, it. especially the husband. Cause he wasn't like that at all. He was just very stoic and, and had a drink. You know what I mean? It was suspicious. And you know what I'm saying? And I just really felt like the way you handle that. I'm like, man, this feels like a, um, uh, a masquerade game in a way like a modern day game how you handle but it feels very authentic to the, the to the historical setting and i was really blown away by that yes yeah, so i feel like we do have to get into like the, some of like that issue of racism is that if you look throughout historically people didn't like people from other countries or different skin colors they just didn't and so i find that when you do deal with stuff like that i feel like first of all if you feel like it's gonna if it's if you want to like have that be a major uh, focus of the game. Talk to your players about that. Just be like, okay, so everyone's cool with this. So you just know I'm not trying to, you know, be racist to anyone. I'm not trying to do this to get out my you know, frustrations. I'm just, I'm trying to add some flavor. Trying to add add some experience flavor, uh, heighten the experience of this game. 
Well, the way you did it too, it wasn't like it was a small scene in the game too. You know what I mean? But you showed just like the the not only did you show the class system at, in that scene, you know, but like we can even go to a whole different spectrum where you showed the 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 frustration with the with the famine that was going on in Ireland with some NPCs. You know what I mean? And how they felt about that and how passionate they got. I just felt that like, and that and like that's why I said earlier that the the lack of accents. You know what I mean? Over the top accents was. Or even accents, period, wasn't even fucking noticed. And I still felt we were playing in a very English, British game. I'm fucking it up. I don't know if we should call it British or English, but a very like game set in that setting. Uh, and I very I think it's very kudos to you. And I think and I think it could be done. It really definitely like um as a storyteller, and I'm not gonna lie, Joaquin, seeing what you did in that story like motivated me to like want to up my game as a storyteller, like seeing how well you did there and everything like that. Cause I was like, Oh shit, dude. And for those of you who don't know who, who listened to D diluted, that was his first time storytelling, man. And, and, and I really felt like you have found your niche in the, in the way to storytell. I'm sure there's going to be tons of other games you're going to storytell, but I'm really, I really felt that you you did a good job in there, man. I know I had a blast in it, and I know Andrew did because Andrew fucking loved that game. You know what I mean? So thank you, thank you. We're gonna go ahead and jump into our second break. Where we come back, we'll be talking about things coming up on the channel. A couple of things that have been on my mind. If you want to hear it? Stay tuned. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please help. They're coming. <laughs> all right welcome back so uh before i get into like stuff that we have going on i want to i want to thank andrew here and in all seriousness this is uh something that uh it's kind of a somewhat serious topic but i i, I feel like i i want to bring it up and i feel that i need to get it off my chest so and no, there's no cold brew punchline joke coming here guys so don't get excited <laughs> um not that people do uh so you know you've heard us mentioned before if you follow us on social media if you talk to us on discord or anything like that that you probably have heard us say that and we've told people uh part of companies before both andrew and i uh, on the side that like we're not looking to get sponsored by any major company now it's not because you know we don't like the companies we love the world of darkness setting we love the fucking the the people who make games for it. we love all that shit obviously or i want to be fucking spending every weekend doing podcasts about it but the reason why we don't is because we feel like we don't want to feel um I don't know what the word I'm thinking of is like, uh, uh, like that we cannot express if we have issues with stuff or whatever obligated. and fear obligated. Yeah. Now there's, you know, like I said, I'm not about to go off on a tangent about these companies. Nothing they've done has upset me or anything like that, but I just don't want to feel obligated to have certain opinions or not be able to speak how I feel. And if anyone has been following our Twitter or follows our Twitter or anything, they probably saw a post that I made yesterday. And there is a frustration that that I feel sometimes boils up in me when when it comes to the whole content creator scene, 
in World of Darkness setting, but also in like just the tabletop RPG scene. And I and I found for a long time I was just like holding it in, like things that bothered me. Like I was just like really just holding it in. It was boiling over. And there came a point, I don't know what came over me yesterday, but where I kind of told the gang, like, dude, I, I don't even know if I want to do the podcast shit anymore. Like I just like this fucking shit just like makes me some of the stuff I see just makes me feel so dirty. And this is stuff that like has happened behind like social media that we have dealt with as a gang a couple instances. I'm like, I just don't fucking feel it anymore. And and Andrew was there for me. And again, Andrew's been there for me for a lot whenever things bother me or whenever I ran. The gang has been especially, but Andrew has this odd counterbalance to my, as he calls it, passion. You know what I mean? not hating me for, yeah. for calling you out. <laughs> Me, me and Andrew have had passionate conversations about things, but he's always been a calming voice, though, when like things have been really getting under me. And, well, there's a point to this, is that, folks, you have to understand, when if you're paying attention to the whole, especially the actual play scene, there's some st- stuff that happens in that really bothers me at times. Um, I'm not naming names. I'm not doing this to shit talk anyone. I'm not doing this to shit talk any type of style of actual play. I'm just doing this because I want to fucking get it out there into the ether because I'm tired of having this shit upset me and almost ruin the shit that I enjoy the most. We have had behind the scenes, for example, a major fucking actual play, tabletop actual play, come to us and ask us when all the V5 hype was just starting to form before V5, uh, play well, came out and was released. If we would play in a V5 actual play on their channel because they didn't know shit about fucking V5, and these assholes had the audacity to be like, "Can you send us a like wanted wanted us to come and help get them money, but then wanted us to send fucking uh, audition tapes, and we wouldn't have done it even if they said audition tapes." But there's tons of shit that happens like this behind the scenes that that you would open your eyes. And all I got to say. And my whole point is saying this, and this is more of a call out to, to people who are in the content creation scene and whatever. I get it. I 100% get it. A lot of people want to get want to get paid for what they like to do, and there is nothing wrong with that. I absolutely have zero wrong if people are trying are, are doing actual plays or creating content because they want to make a profit. I get that. That's just how it is, and that's cool. What I do not condone and what I do not like is when people are um, – are for lack of a better term, fake and insincere with the shit they do to get that. And that's where I start having issues, you know? And that's where I feel you might see me make some tweets just jokingly around about some shit. But I feel that 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 when you have a base of people who are looking for people to play a game and expect some form of sincerity, um, and 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 you're, and you're fronting on that, and you're not that that you're taking advantage of people. Now, if you want to say, "Hey, we're just running a game on Twitch, and we're dressing up because we want you to feel like you're part," you know, we want you to feel like it's a TV show, and that's fine. Fucking a, do it, do it, 100. percent But don't be fucking fake and expect me to fucking as a as a content creator to think that you're being sincere and, and that you that you're just playing these games for fun and whatever. Be honest, be how it is. And that's what we try to do with Twin Cities by Night. And while I'm sitting here and I'm vi- uh, venting my my grievances, we are also, though, with the gang trying to help out these very same content creators who may be doing that and others by with like the White Wolf RPG gameplay media page or we're constantly on our Twitter retweeting other content to help rise people up. So we're not shitting on people. We're not even calling people out or even judging people. I'm just saying this shit fucking bothers me. And if it bothers you hearing it, I apologize. But I feel that there's not a voice that's saying that. And, I'm, and I think some just need to do some inner reflection and look at why they're doing this and how they're doing it. And uh, and th- and I think this whole scene would be a better place. And and this kind of ties into about where where I'm going next with this. 
and and the two gentlemen here with me right now and the other five members of the gang we 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 had we did a lot of deliberation about whether or not we should start a patreon it was a talk that we had for before and we decided not to and it's a talk that we had again and we decided not to and then it was a talk that we had again and then we decided to and the reason that we decided to wasn't for the fact that we don't want to monetize we don't want to hide our stuff behind a paywall and we don't want to make a profit but we want to better our product we want to be able to to to, to do the best that we can uh and 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 sometimes you know we've maxed that out with what we have and and so we started patreon and and none of our stuff is behind a paywall now any of that stuff and i'm not really here to push the patreon you can see the link in all of our shit but i'm here to thank the people though who have stepped up and 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 who have given and, and again if people don't want to give that's fine and there's no worry to that but i want to thank the people who have especially so i'm going to read some names here some of these names are Before people that do, yeah, go ahead. i want to clarify something the whole point that we even delved into patreon patreon to begin with was just to cover some of the costs of having to you know pay to have like our stuff put out on like SoundCloud and things like that. It's not because, you know, Chris has been taking all this up on himself and we as a group felt like, you know, we, we can do something a little bit more and, and we can, we can continue to grow and we can, we can get, you know, maybe, maybe one day we'll be able to get better equipment for everybody and we can have just a better sounding product. It's not because we want money because <laughs> this is not, this is not something that, uh, we we don't ever none we have careers we have lives this is something we do for fun and if you guys want to help us continue to have fun and bring you this product go ahead no obligation on your part yeah exactly we'll always do it and that's why andrew's more articulate than i you know what i mean that's why he's on this show too but very very much so just how he said it you know what i mean you're not gonna live a big baller status dude doing actual plays we all have careers we all have jobs and all that stuff and like you said he summed it up perfectly definitely summed it up perfectly and and and, and that that is why we are doing it so let's go ahead and thank some motherfuckers some bold crew i don't know these guys are like have some of their own armies behind them dude some of these folks who who helped chip in so first on the list is 25 years of vampire the masquerade do i even need to say who these motherfuckers are if you have not listened to the podcast and you're listening here which i don't think there's one single person if you are a person right now listening to the uh brian diaries and you have not listened to 25 years of vampire the masquerade shoot me a tweet at twin underscore cities underscore vtm and i'll retweet it and say i'm eating a humble pie but i severely doubt that there's someone listening to this who has not heard 25 years of vampire the masquerade matter of well, fact go ahead uh oh <laughs> well keep in mind <laughs> keep yeah. in mind one of them will be a guest here soon on a brian dyer's episode so yeah yeah and that's that, that's when we've been trying to get like i my immune system fucking kicked me in the nuts dude the first time we tried doing it and then the poor guy due to work conflicts and all that stuff but we've been trying to get nate on here to talk about running a vtm game or just a world of darkness game on discord because they have a fucking epic one on their discord if you haven't seen it go check it out if you haven't listened to the podcast again listen to it but i'm sure you all have so thank you nate you you rock thank you seriously from the bottom of my heart and then the mighty esoteric order of fucking role players dude uh have chipped in on the patreon if you didn't listen to the episode where they were on the brian dyer's talking about duet gaming if you have not checked out neon masquerade or any of their shit dude like there are people on the twin you're you're genuine because they have some amazing they have some amazing character developments in their stories 
Dude, dude, don't they ever? I mean, there's folks, and I know it, they'll never probably say it, or probably they have, who are part of the Bold Crew Twin Cities by Night Gang who love the fucking EOR, Esoteric Order role players stuff better than our stuff. And I don't blame them, dude. I, I fucking listen to Neon Masquerade, man. It sounds like a podcast, like on MP, just like the chemistry that him and his wife have, dude. It's just so fucking amazing. And David has fucking been awesome to us and has always been like supportive and it's fucking rad thank you guys you rock then we have mark from dungeon punks punks with an x the real dungeon punks the not not the rip off with the k at the end who tried to jog on their name from across the pond this is the gentleman has been consuming our shit matter of fact he just started diluted he's uh watched all the twin cities by nights and ultimate evil and wars on fire now he's starting on diluted this is the guy who told me that he was driving home in the fucking sweat lodge scene the ultimate evil was a fucking gut punch to him or how the final valdery and fucking wars on fire on the beach was just like fucking amazing this guy yeah. yeah, dude, this guy has some fucking impactful fucking feedback that gives us, and he has an awesome fucking podcast, Dungeon Punks. You could check it out, man. This it's dude's quite so uh, relevant then that uh, we're giving this shout out here in this episode when he's starting diluted. <laughs> I, I know, dude. And, and, he, he, and, can, he can point out all the things I got wrong. <laughs> yeah, there you go, right? He's a super fucking awesome dude. Super awesome dude. Matter of fact, I met the guy because he sent me a PM. He heard me on uh, Brendan Carrion's Full Metal RPG. Shout out to Full Metal RPG. And he fucking hit me up on Instagram. And he was like, dude, I just gave you a shout out on our podcast at this mark. And, and I listened. He was talking about the ultimate evil. And I was like, oh, fuck, dude. This guy is super fucking nice. Not, that is how the scene should be. Not that you have to fucking send us PMs, give us kudos. I'm just talking about like being positive man just like fucking being real you know what i mean being positive and just like oh this that's the shit that i love and that's why i'm happy that we continue to do this and then we have chad registrar if you got Ch chad has been there since fucking joaquin and i have been there this dude was listening to fucking twin seas by night back when we spent a half hour like why is dice stream not working you know talking oh, about the bad old days <laughs> yeah where we're like talking over each other all at once it was like you know how many times i had to edit where it just was like because everyone's trying to talk at once but he's been there since day one and that was fucking awesome and thank you chad he's been nothing but fucking supportive to us and has always like left comments on our videos and it's just really awesome to i mean it blows my mind that people listen to that shit because man i listen to our old shit dude and i'm just like fuck i want to throw my computer through the wall man i just can't believe but we were learning and it was it was a fun time to learn and then finally we had dante who is a brazilian brazilian my friend Sepultura, and he listens to Black Sabbath a lot, dude. And he's always posting Black Sabbath pictures. And whenever I post Black Sabbath pictures on Twitter, because we're totally fucking dark, listening to Black Sabbath and drinking cold brew. And uh, thank you, man, for get for for checking us out. And this, and it's just fucking awesome, man, to 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 know that like these folks, man, find us worthy to to like to 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 depart with their with their hard earned money, and and that that's fucking awesome, dude. And it's really fucking humbling, and um. Yeah, I just don't know what to fucking say, but thank you guys. Seriously, uh, you rock. And uh, yeah, man, keep on rocking, dude. Definitely. So then let's talk about what we have coming up. Uh, we have, and I'm going to pause again. Seriously, that shit fucking rocks. I'm like sitting here like at a loss of words, man, just because like it was a huge move for us to do this, folks. And I'm not like trying to like drag this on and beat a dead horse, but it took a lot of fucking talks and a lot of decisions and, and frankly, once we started our Patreon, it just kind of wiped me out, man, just because it was so much emotion and thought and like me having to like juggle with my own opinions or whatever. And just it's 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 fucking cool that that we have awesome people like that. Let so me again, let me kick off the upcoming projects thing, because yeah, not just projects. I want to kick off with we have something huge that is coming to an end today. 
We are adding another person to TCBN. Dun, dun, we have dun. our submissions. Well, uh, th there's still time for another one to come in, but it's unlikely. Looks like it, that there's probably all the ones we were going to get have come in. And it's it's a huge undertaking to add another person to our... At this point, it's a huge undertaking to add another person to our story and to our chronicles and just our, our group of friends, somebody who can just constantly, you know, just be a part of all of this. So I just wanted to take the time to say thank you to everyone who applied because the fact that you're even interested in just hanging out with us, that's really cool, you know? And I appreciate the 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 sincerity that went into a lot of the submissions that so you guys have not like i've said this several times on our discord channel you guys have not made this easy for us <laughs> it is it is going to be a hard decision that we are <laughs> debate about for a little while so don't expect anything right away uh because uh we have we have several people in mind and it's going to be hard picking one out of there Dude, is it ever, man? Seriously, bro. Like, oh god, it's gonna be a lot of long talks, man. Fucking yeah. Like, and I think there was a point in time when it was easy, and then all the good stuff just called right in. I know, Dude. I know. But I'm I'm glad we went this route, um, the, of the way that we did it. Um, I'm glad that you kind of went along with the idea that I had and how we presented this and put it forth to our community and got people to get on our discord and just, you know, chat with us and everything to get to know everyone and talk to them and be able to interact with people on a more personal level to get to, to, to really feel everyone out. So again, thank you everybody who is interested. We, I, I can honestly say that I don't think there's a single submission that I was like, no, I don't like this person <laughs> at all because there's just, there's a lot of unique perspectives in the different submissions that we have seen. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And this is like adding to the family, man. You know, this is more than just even the demon game that, that Mitch is going to be running. This is like your one ninth stake in twinsies by night. Now, like it's like one ninth of a cold brew, but still it's a one ninth <laughs> stake into decision-making. And because I don't know if people know behind the scenes of what we do. Everything's like a fucking democracy with us. We're always voting. You know what I mean? And we decide and we talk. It's like the justice league minus a horrible movie. And we just sit there and we fucking make decisions together at a super round table, man. Uh, that, that is just the internet, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's gonna be a hard decision. Like, I think it's going to take at least a week to fucking even decide who, if not longer. You know what I mean? Like, how we're going to have a lot it of might debates. take me that long just to go through them all once again. And Dude. just, like, provide <laughs> any sort of, like, yeah. next to who who I think is best, best fit to us. Because it's not about, like, if you're good enough or anything like that. It's, like, who's going to fit into what we have going on now. Because by no means... Is it about like, you know, being the best role player ever or whatever? It's it's nothing like that. It's just that we want somebody who is going to be able to just fit into and gel with our group at the best. And it, there's there's a couple of people who strongly fit that. Yep. So keep your eyes and ears and uh, open for that. And we'll, we'll 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 we haven't quite figured out how we're gonna announce it, but we're gonna have something fucking rad because. When we put our brains together, we fucking are like the Justice League without the horrible movie. Uh, and then we can go ahead and rock that out. So we're like the Avengers, I guess, because I, <laughs> I like that theme song. I always get goosebumps whenever I hear the Avengers theme song. Uh, well, if you saw Infinity War, they didn't play it. 
Uh, yeah. Well, that was the one. That was the one movie they didn't play their theme song. This is the World of Darkness podcast, but why did you have to take it that dark, bro? God Dude, damn, man. I'm still, so I'm good. still in therapy. I know, man. But anyways, like, let's not, let's not, Peter, Peter. No, okay. So, um, Mr. Stark. Um, so let's go ahead and <laughs> let's go ahead and continue on with what we have going on. Uh, so on the 7th of October, folks, we got Twin Seas by Night Dread coming up. And man, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. This is going to be an interesting fucking session for me to run. I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of mobile pieces going on. Uh, if you have not watched the like the duet session I had or listened to the duet session I had with Slavic uh, with, between William and and Hardy Ellsworth, um, check that out. But this next session is going to be crazy because you got to think about this, folks who have been listening to Twin Cities by Night, and I don't know how many fucking sessions we've had all together, all three three arcs, but. A lot of people who don't get a lot of airtime in that game have a lot of fucking sway over the story. And it was not intentional when I fucking first started this, but it's really kind of crazy how it just kind of came up. And one of those people is little. This guy no one has fucking seen. Not that he's some mysterious ninja. He might be a ninja with dual wielded <laughs> katanas. I don't want to say that. You might find out. But I'm just saying, like, it's like the real world, man. People have influence that you will never fucking meet and have influence over your life, dude. And I'm not talking about a shadowy masquerade jihad type thing. I'm just saying that's just how the cookie crumbles. So the plot's been slowly getting peeled back on that, and I'm fucking excited for it. I feel that this is by far my favorite, um, uh, like the Twin Cities by Night trilogy so far, I guess, like story arc for Twin Cities by Night I've ran. I feel like that having like kind of everyone have their separate stories in a way is like giving me more opportunity to tell the story. I feel like people have been playing their characters fucking awesomely, dude. I feel like just like the horror is coming out in the setting again. And I feel like the, 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 the sense of anticipation and, and just like fucking like I'm nervous about running this next session. Period, point, I'm point. just wondering how you're gonna like reconcile the like split between the characters because we have several going off and potentially participating all together in like sort of same kind of scene and then you have like one guy who's standing by a car and another who's across the city like yeah it's good it's gonna be interesting yeah i got it i I don't want to spoil anything i mean you can't really spoil i mean i have my ideas of how i think the story is gonna go you know what i mean it all depends on players action but i am really picturing a little spoiler for those of you who have watched true detective season one the scene where matthew mcconaughey goes into the projects as an undercover fucking biker dude yeah it might be intense and i'm really hoping it is that because i'm really i've never watched it but i can tell you right now some of us are hungry and oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's like a powder keg the, the, the projects those projects the echo park projects or the echo projects excuse me are like a powder keg right now and i'm not even talking about story-wise i'm just talking about some hungry people a pissed off fucking tremere you know what i mean a, a gang girl sitting out there and now you got william and who knows how william's gonna react you know what i mean to all this shit and it very well could be because I'm not even like any supernatural bent, but just because you're going to be in an area where there's at least a couple hundred of people, you know what I mean? Who, who... you got a Nasarastu who's like yeah. just as likely to frenzy as your oh, yeah, 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 as neighborhood a... Bruja, yeah. And then you got a fucking hungry little midget Nasarastu kid, you know what I mean? Like, mm, it's gonna be fun, so check it out. Definitely, I'm having a blast with that. And this story keeps going, man. This is a story that keeps giving. I'm happy. I don't give a fuck if this fucking story goes 20 sessions, man. The story arc. I'm just having a blast. I'll be surprised if by the end of Dread, I haven't, uh, if I have maintained Humanity 5. Just <laughs> out there. Dude, it's fucking, who knows? It's part of the sense of Dread. Dun, dun, dun. 
All right. So, uh, <laughs> what about what about you, Quinn? What are your thoughts on on this upcoming session? It'll definitely be. I definitely want, really want to see what happens, and just because it's, it's, it feels like definitely it's like a mini culmination of like all the different things, like slowly building up to something. And so it's now we're finally it's it's like it's been leading up to this moment. Like we're finally gonna get some answers out of this. I'm like, aha, yes, at last we got it. Yeah, I mean, you've been waiting a lot longer than me. Like, I was listening, but I wasn't a player. You, you've been directly involved in this from the start, and like, you've been waiting for answers and had a vested interest in them for a, a whole long time. Yeah, and like, honestly, this is just meeting one NPC. Think about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this isn't like, you know what I'm saying? It's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be, it's gonna be crazy. I, one thing I can't, I hear from a lot of people who've been listening since day one is like the 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 evolution of Katow. People are liking the evolution of Katow, seeing how Katow kind of went from like just wanting to be left alone to like now he realizes he's becoming like the political apex predator. You know what I mean? And he's sitting there like starting to manipulate things and becoming the monster that he didn't like. And Jonathan, and in a way, it's weird how Jonathan left his mark on Katow, you know, in his own fucking way. Um, yeah. yeah, that's what happens when you just feel like, okay, enough, enough. I'm done. I'm doing, so I'm doing something different now. Look, yeah. gangrel who get involved in politics are way worse than any Ventru or Toyador you will ever meet because when they get involved, they take that whole predator thing to the extreme, they are the ones on top. Yep, definitely. <laughs> represent. Yeah, represent. Uh, <laughs> on that note, then on the 14th, we got Changeling the Lost Vanity, which, man, that game is really starting to get his horror legs going right now. If you guys have not listened you to You are Changeling, so screwed. Dude, I am fucking screwed. Or what about fucking no spoilers, but what about Katrina, dude? Isn't that not some epic shit? Like, like isn't that like... It, I think it's very... um, Very... Uh, just uh, not ironic but i think it's awesome how like the two people who kind of had like a close bond now are are in a fucking shitty situation or going to be maybe in a city sh shitty situation together and then the two people who have like the strength and the passion to like fix things on the normal side are going to be together on there you know what i mean how just like the roads kind of diverged a little bit there um i'm really excited to see how that going and i do think raymond's good but i think it's in a way i hope i think that it might be a nice full circle for raymond's story I'm, I'm hoping i have some ideas i want to see where uh adam takes the story but i really feel the horror element of the story is starting to like you know what i mean like adam had a really nice pace with that you know what i mean it wasn't just like right away but like you're really starting to see like sacrifice like and, and stuff like that that's starting to happen so love that game i fucking want to play it now matter of fact talking about it you know what i mean but uh it's great it's a fucking great game and and um again adam just like quinn is a first time storyteller man and he's running a storyteller for the channel and it's just like really awesome to take these smaller settings and just just to run stories with them and it's actually like we got stories planned folks like like you know what i mean like we're not i don't i don't foresee it's gonna be like fuck we don't got no more games to run you know what i mean because we are already talking about like shit upon shit upon shit upon shit like and the, the the seeds are starting to get planted you know what i mean for future games so it's it's really great I'm, I'm super excited about that check that shit out and then on the 21st we got the amazing story of a group of hunters called the hunters hunted Two corruption which andrew runs man dude i had fun last session andrew you're killing it bro good i'm glad you are um you know uh 
I, I didn't want to like spoil anything for anybody, but um, I just got to say that uh, Adam, he he figured out really fast who T was, and I am so shocked and also kind of proud that I was able to faithfully portray this character to the point that he figured it out without even giving any <laughs> hints to anyone about it. I like, and I'm not going to spoil anything, you know what I mean? Uh, I like that you did not handle T, I'm not going to say who it is, as cheesy as T has been handled in the past in some publications. And that's why it didn't stick out. And that's a that's that's a compliment to you. But now then, retrospect, when I was listening to the re-edit, you know, when I was editing it, it made I was all listening perfect to it, sense. It made sense. <laughs> but it was good, though, dude. It was like, okay, this is good because the way that that character has been handled in the past, and yes, this is a knock on circa 2000 White Wolf. Apologize if no one likes hearing that, but I did not like how a lot of the major canon characters were handled. And Wait, I am, I'm not going to be shy about this. There are multiple canon characters in this game. And oh, fuck me. Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, then that's cool then because you handle it like how we like to handle the world of darkness, dude. Because I like did not come across canony. Is that a word? Canony at all, dude? Not at all. Like at all. And Wait. I actually thought I actually thought that like uh, Mitch was being like sarcastic by calling T that name. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, wait, he's for real, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, shit, this is rad. Like, I love it. And then we, what, you got to tell us at the end who all the canon characters are, man. Because sure. I don't want to I don't want to crack open DC by night. And I haven't even read the DC part of uh, Becca Jihad Diary because I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah, don't. Please don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, Just, yeah, yeah. So. It'll be obvious if you read it. Like, it's at least I think so, because. I've tried to play into some of the themes from Beckett's Jihad Diary and DC by Night. So if anyone who's read those books or uh, hasn't, but has them available, like check them out. You know, if you're listening to, if you're listening to corruption, maybe you'll pick it up. You know, maybe you'll, maybe it'll enhance your experience just to hear these uh, hunters floundering around. <laughs> Definitely. And then, after that, we might do a couple of Brian Book Clubs. I think I'm, this month I may be wrapping up my reread of Stephen King's Salem's Lot or of Homicide Life on, or Year on the Killing Streets, which are two books I like to cover. Maybe Ray Bradbury, something this wicked, or something that wicked this way comes, uh, which are three books that are awesome sources of inspiration for Slavic, World of Darkness. This month. Next month. That's uh, oh, Slavic's thing. Uh, that's uh, well, I mean, might as well fucking say it since the cat's out of the bag. We're gonna be recording our our super special next April Fools' uh, uh, thing. We record those way early when we have an opening in the schedule because we just want to knock that out. And I don't want to say anything. That's a, that's top secret. That's like our black mass shit. God damn it! Fuck. I apologize. Now, now I regret inviting you on. I'll give me back your. It. Give me black, back your black robe. Give me back your fucking lifetime guarantee Starbucks cold brew card, and 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 you're on probation. Can Sorry, I keep the car? Man. Okay, you can keep the car. You can. The, you okay. can keep the, I, I mean, being an evil government Satanist dude does have its you know perks too. So, on that note, I got world domination to play with my friends. Uh, if you guys would like to reach out to us, all the ways you can find us are in our description. You can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM. You can find our Discord. You can find all that jazz. We're on everything now, folks. We are twin cities. We're night. even on the moon. On the moon. Leave me alone. I want to talk to my friends. Peace out.
Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. But why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade The Demon's Mirror Thirteen Candles Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more.